Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Where the Wild Women Grow podcast. When women uncage themselves and fully embrace their wild, intuitive nature, beautiful and authentic magic is released onto the world. And when we share that magic through story, it inspires us all to live and love more deeply, more intuitively, and more wildly. So let's listen and celebrate these courageous and beautiful wild women and their stories together. I gotta believe I'm here to make a difference without fear of being seen or heard. Like the bird who flies at night, like the lion strong and fierce, like the whale singing. I'd like to be bringing peace to you, to me, to you, to me. Into the wild I'll go, into the wild I am. It's been a wild freedom child since okay, I left my roots. I hope you are all having a lovely day. I'm about to uh, dive into this episode with Emily Jane, uh, and we, we're talking about fertility awareness method, um, which I I love so much about this episode because I thought I knew what fertility awareness method was, and I thought even that I was practicing fertility awareness method, but then after this conversation with Emily, I was like, oh, nope, nope, that's not at all what I was doing. No wonder I wound up pregnant unexpected. <laughs> So you'll you'll detect this throughout the interview. <laughs> you'll start to see my confidence in what I'm saying wane <laughs> towards the middle of the conversation. It was quite humbling. Um, and I always appreciate learning moments like that. So where I am currently in Northeast British Columbia, um, in my hometown, we're just heading into fall, which is um, one of my favorite times of year. I, I always love the change. I always find I really look forward to snuggling up in my house, eating stew and drinking hot tea. And I have an actual wood fireplace in my house that burns real wood. So that's um, an extra special treat that we get in my home. Um, Since becoming a mom, I find I like winter much less than I did when I was um in my maiden phase of my life I used to be very active with winter sports and now I am not (laughs) I'm sure that will all change once my babies are not babies and toddlers anymore but the season of my life currently is uh we're hunkered down inside for most of the winter as it is quite cold here and hard to get the little little guys outside doing much for any length of time um but fall is is one of my favorite times of year I where we live we have lots of leafy trees so there's always the beautiful foliage changing colors and the river valleys are just breathtaking sights to behold when when the fall leaf colors are all in their full full bloom although it's more like full decay I guess (laughs) if you're looking at proper season, season cycles um also pumpkin spice need I say more I kind of live for pumpkin spice everything so uh yeah (laughs) Emily let me tell you about Emily 
She envisions a world where everyone is an expert of their own body and empowered to access their creative forces through sexual sovereignty. Emily teaches holistic reproductive wellness with a focus on fertility awareness method. She empowers women through accurate information, accessible tools, and loving guidance to reconnect them back to their deepest wisdom, the one that is found within. Through immersive experiences in person and online, she is paving a new pathway and expanding the paradigm of what it means to be a vibrant, fulfilled woman as reverence for the feminine rises again. Muja Moon is her company. Muja being M-U-J-A-M-O-O-N, one word, is the birth of combining Emily's extensive training and experience as a former public school teacher with her passion for womb reclamation. She's been studying the sacred and scientifics of reproductive health over the last five years, inspired by her direct experience with the transformational power of body literacy. In 2018, she completed her yoga teacher training, which further tailored her teachings methodologies to support women within movement, meditation, and contemplation. In 2021, she certified as a fertility awareness educator. She is a student first and a teacher second, always. And as you'll hear with this interview, she's just an amazing human being too. I met her at the Wild Women Wild Roses Festival in Edmonton this summer. I thought she was just, had the most beautiful things to say. I could tell she was a woman who who was super smart, super empowered, and super passionate about about women and their bodies and reproductive health. We had some amazing conversations fireside and carried our conversations on into social media and then we did this podcast and I think it's really beautiful um, the conversations that we had and Emily also has um, a free mastermind coming up on the 26th of September so just at the end of this month 2021 if you're catching this at the time that I'm releasing it in this free mastermind class expect an overview of fertility awareness method which is a biology-based cycle tracking framework as a tool for reclaiming sacred and sovereign sexuality after developing a disciplined fam practice to deepen body literacy certain perimeters or rules can be applied to aid you in conscious conception or natural contraception that is proven to be over 99 percent effective FAM has no similarity whatsoever to your grandmother's rhythm method or modern app algorithms. We will invite major paradigm shifts in the way that you view your sexual wellness. Emily will guide meditations, practices, and rituals to awaken your Shakti. Share underground strategies. Share grounded strategies that support reproductive health and lead an interactive lecture on why FAM is so worth practicing. She'll merge the sacred and scientific to show you a clear path towards embodying, embodying sexual sovereignty. I'm registered for that mastermind um, because I don't need any more unexpected pregnancies in my life. <laughs> I'm ready to take my fertility into my own hands and really take responsibility for that. So, um, Also, hormonal birth control has has never felt like a good thing for me and my body um and I know there's a lot of women out there my age who agree 
we're just all really sick of of all the side effects of these synthetic hormones surging through our bodies for decades on end. It's wreaking havoc on a lot of people's bodies. So um, this is a fantastic alternative for um, contraception. The mastermind is also for conscious conception, not just contraception. Um, So yeah, I hope to see you guys there. And let's get on with this awesome conversation with Emily. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Where the Wild Women Grow. I'm so excited to introduce to you my new friend, Emily Jane with Muja Moon. She's calling in from Edmonton, Alberta, and she's a super cool chick. I met her at the Where the, or, um, the Wild Roses Wild Women Festival in Edmonton that I went to a few weeks ago that most of you have already heard all about. <laughs> I've been talking about it nonstop ever since I went and Emily was one of the women I met there and we just chatted and chatted and chatted and had a really great connection and I loved her message that she was putting out into the world so I went and checked her out on Instagram and loved her even more and (laughs) here we are. (laughs) So how are you today Emily? I'm good, Ellie. Thank you so much for having me here and thank you for that beautiful introduction. I'll never forget meeting you this massive bonfire with hundreds of women around and I just there was like five women listening to you talk about your free birth and I was just like who is this woman I was just so magnetized and I knew that I wanted to get to know you better so I'm so glad to be here today and I'm so glad that we met (laughs) thank you yes I'm so glad too everything at that festival just felt so like serendipitous Mm -hmm. (laughs) like so meant to be Mm-hmm. All right. So Emily, why don't you just kind of share with the listeners um, what, you know, your work with the um, fam and what that is and for let's sure. just dive right in. For sure. So fam stands for fertility awareness method and I'm a fertility awareness method instructor, teacher, guide. So basically what I do is I teach women and menstruators how to chart their cycles, not by counting days and by using data from previous cycles, but rather by checking in with the biomarkers of their fertility. So learning to read the messages of their body that their body are sending them in very concrete ways, like their basal body temperature every morning, their cervical mucus observations, their cervical position, as well as guiding them into that deeper connection with their fertility and with the magic of their cycle through just a general cultivation of sensing and knowing and intuitive understanding of your body and tapping into your internal rhythms of your um, emotional health, your mental health, your physical health, so that we can basically apply all of this in a practice of cycle charting for healing, for health, and most excitingly for conscious contraception that's been proven to be over 99% effective. So Mm. yeah, that's a little bit about what I do. That's the overview. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a very loaded paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) There, I, I love this conversation so much because it's something that I just started tapping into like a few years ago and I was so, um, my heart was just so blown open by how deeply it connected me to my body and how much 
um, healing there was there for me to around, um, shame of my body and frustrations that I've had about my body, or even just like embarrassment with how little I actually know about my body. Um, and I'm somebody like, you know, most people would, would be pretty quick to, 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 say that oh Ellie's very connected to her body like she's you know but even so even though being quote unquote one of those people who have always been a little more in tune with my body there is so much I was not aware of going on with my cycle and my hormones and um and all of that so I think um it's more than just about preventing pregnancy and or creating a pregnancy it's there's so much magic there for women mm-hmm. and menstruators. Mm-hmm. I like how you said women and menstruators because <laughs> <laughs> this is, I'm a little bit of an ignoramus, I'll admit, mm. like to, to that whole realm of, you know, this, it's so new. I know a lot of us are kind of like, ah, panicking yeah. and struggling with the language <laughs> around the gen- gender identity and things. Um, so be be my guide for that and correct me if I say something silly. <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean, I think that I mean, like we live in such a polarized world where I think people are just afraid to like let their language flow and 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 let it kind of come out, but um yeah. everything is always changing and everything is always evolving. And I think we're a little bit short-sighted if we think that like suddenly there's a change happening, like our our concepts of gender and identity are always actually in flow and always actually Mm. in flux. And so I definitely have had clients that I've worked with that identify as non-binary. And it's not to say, and it's interesting because with those clients, they actually taught me so much about what it means to be a non-binary human, which is not to say like, you know, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is the more I learned about it, the more I'm like, oh wait, I'm like a gender non-conforming woman too. Like it's not necessarily Uh language that I realizing like it's not necessarily language that I feel a need to add on to my identity and very much more about like just the stripping away and letting go of of these ways that we kind of want to create a semblance of who we are and I'm kind of just like I am nothing it's all good (laughs) but even just kind of digging into those terms and realizing how simple they are that they're really one they're really just for anyone who's challenging the normative patriarchal concepts of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm all about that. And in the simplest respect, I just also love the term menstruator. Like it's so badass. (laughs) (laughs) And for me, when I say menstruator, I'm not always even intending to um, have some kind of political inclusion, although I'm so glad to to welcome everybody who wants to be a member of the community in. Um, It's more of just like, what a badass way to refer to ourselves as like, because it's like tribe of bloody women, you know, like we are the menstruators. (laughs) We're here to put it on our forehead on cycle day one every month. (laughs) And just to really actually claim that identity of a menstruator as a really foundational and key part of how we connect to our body and how we understand how we are because as women as menstruators we are not just men with like a flawed uterus right like we're a completely different type of physiological being that is functioning with this inferior cycle the cycle that takes us on this hormonal journey that is very different Mm. what what was that um 
So, yeah. Uh, you cut out there for a little bit. That's okay. Um, mm. What was that last little bit you said there that your last couple sentences might have not got on to the recording? Sure, sure. I think, uh, I don't, don't know where I got cut off, but I think I just said that, you know, we function with this inferian cycle, this totally different hormonal cycle that is just very incomparable to the hormonal cycle of men, to right. our partners, to our lovers. And so it's just not about comparing the two, but rather just understanding that being a menstruator is like a totally different experience yeah. than someone who is walking around in a man's body. Yeah. What was this? What was the name of the cycle you used? Uh, Inferian. Inferian. Yes. Right. And so, so the, so if you think about like the circadian rhythm, circadian rhythm is our sleep wake cycle. And so men's hormones actually match up with the circadian rhythm. So it's in that same cyclical flow of the 24 hour sleep wake. So their sex hormones surge in that same way. That's where they have a sexual peak, usually approximately at the same time every day, followed by a time to rest in the evening, which is why energetically and poetically, men are associated with like the sun, right? Whereas for right. us, we have the inferior cycle where we don't have a hormonal cycle that matches up with our circadian rhythm. We have a cycle that matches up more similarity with the rhythms of the moon. And that's our inferior um, hormonal cycle. But we have that in addition to our circadian rhythm. So really being a menstruator is kind of like a bonus. Like we actually are given an extra layer to life. So we have the sun channel, we have our sleep and wake rhythm, but then over top of that, there's another layer of this dance of ovulation and menstruation, the two poles of the cycle that are taking place over this longer extrapolated cycle physically within our hormones, within, which then obviously translates into our emotional experiences, our spiritual connection, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, mm. I love that. And it, and I, it, I think it would make a lot of sense. Not everyone knows about the circadian rhythm, mm -hmm. but, um, but I mean, like when I was in college for massage therapy, all those years ago, uh, we were taught the circadian rhythm and that was it. Mm, so it's really yeah. unfortunate that, you know, like even as health professionals, like we're not getting the full picture, the full, you know, meal deal <laughs> mm -hmm. with how to support others, you know, in our work. But, mm -hmm. um, but I, I also had heard so at some point, um, not too long ago that, you know, like the nine to five jobs that, you know, all the cultures throughout the world have adapted are based on that circadian rhythm as well. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. everything in our culture and in our society structure is based on that circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, women are trying to mold themselves to fit into that structure and it's unnatural for us. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of women, well, like what, so I won't, I'll let you go with this because you're probably <laughs> going to be better. So what kind of things are we seeing with women when we're not honoring that in, mm -hmm. in Freudian? Is that what you said it was? Inferian. Inferian, sorry. Yeah, all good. <laughs> we can even just say, you know, the menstrual cycle, the same thing. Right, yeah. right, yeah, same thing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that if we zoom all the way out, like, and if we look at the big picture and the collective experience, what we see is a general belief that 
you know, something's wrong with us and we're broken and we're cursed and we have this problem that we need to fix. And I have this really annoying period that's like a massive inconvenience and I'm hormonal and I'm always hormonal and women are so hormonal. And this idea that basically our body is an inconvenience and our body is a constant problem to be solved. And our cycle is something that is constantly in need of management and in need of solution. Mm. And so that's, what's kind of the story on the collective level, because essentially, as you said, the problem is not that there is something wrong with being a menstruator. The problem is that we don't live in societies that honor women's needs and honor our cyclical flow and what it means to be someone who's like, hey, there's certain times of the month during my fertile window where I'm going to get a lot of shit done. Like I'm going to, I'm going to make so much headway on so many different projects. I'm going to be like a super queen to everything and everyone. I'm going to be inspired. I'm going to be connected. Then there's going to be another time of the cycle when I'm bleeding where like, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) like like, who's starting out dinner I don't know it's not going to be me someone else around here is going to have to figure that out for everybody and you know just knowing that 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 rhythm is not a problem to be solved but the problem is that we're so out of touch with it that we have no idea that this is actually happening so we actually miss the potent potential of our fertility and of the energetic light-filled time of the cycle and we don't have any kind of sense of awareness around how we can consciously channel our life force energy during that time of the month so we actually don't appreciate it and we don't see it and we don't really talk about it and then our period comes and we're like damn it this is so annoying it's getting in the way of my life rather than seeing like ah there's actually a rhythm to be revealed that is always happening, whether I decide to work with it or not. So if I actually just reorient myself and step out of these colonial patriarchal linear structures, then I find out that my cyclical nature is actually an incredible gift. And my body is actually the guide and the teacher of how I can navigate my month, how I can navigate my personal life, how I can navigate my professional duties in a way that just like syncs with my cycle and flows with my flow and everything just totally makes sense. And then as I cruise into menstruation, I just like fully embrace my right to rest, my right to recharge. And it really has the potential to become the most profound, peaceful time of the entire month. I look forward to my period and I wish there was more women who could stay the same, who could stay the same. Yes, I, 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 I'm totally on the same, the same rest period love mm-hmm. boat. I, I really try hard to carve out special things for myself and, and it's a family effort. Like I have, mm-hmm. as most listeners know, four children under the age of eight. So, um, you know, there's a lot, I'm, I am required to be pretty full on most of the days, but you know, my husband is on board with this you know, and that's a really the most integral piece that everyone in the family Mm -hmm. understands and is on board with it too. So Mm -hmm. we all make it happen for me so that Mm -hmm. I can rest during Mm -hmm. my, my bleed time. And then, um, and then, and then, yeah, when I, when I peek up into ovulation, it's like hardcore, you know, 
I, although at this season in my life with all the things I'm planning and creating and doing, (laughs) it's, it's kind of like I'm ovulating like three fourths of the month. (laughs) Amazing. That's awesome. (laughs) And then, and then just like rest hard as I can while I'm bleeding. Yeah. 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 And like, and like, you know, whenever we talk about these, you know, these ideas of the cycle, you know, like our inner winter, spring, summer, fall. I always like to take people a little bit deeper than the idea of, of cyclical living as some kind of like rule we need to follow. I'm like, mm. oh, I'm on this cycle day. So I'm supposed to be very energetic. And I'm yes. in my inner fall. I'm in my inner fall. So I might feel a little bitchy. Like, yes. it's like, that's not the way it's going to show up for everybody. Especially it if you're someone, me. especially if you're someone who has like estrogen dominance, for example, your ovulation might be like the foggiest time of the month. And it might be the time of the month where you're feeling really fatigued and you're experiencing inflammation. So there's a lot more than just kind of this archetype of the different parts of the cycle. And what I really like to get my clients to do in my group programs, et cetera, is to get them to think about the cycle as a blueprint that you get to reflect your experiences back on as a tool to get to know yourself a little bit better. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So how are you interacting with your inner maiden? Like what is your experience in the inner maiden um, part of the cycle, which I think if your listeners have listened to your incredible three-part series that you did, then hopefully they'll be totally up with all the language you're using. (laughs) But how are you interacting with that inner maiden when your bleed is done and you're in your spring? How are you kind of relating to the archetype of the inner mother during your inner summer? Um, and even something that a lot of people I've had discover when I teach them fertility awareness method, which really grounds down and roots down all of these principles into this daily practice is they're like, wow, I didn't really realize, like, I'm actually really sad every cycle around ovulation, like my inner summer, like I get really anxious and I get really sad. And I'm like, yeah, and that's an opportunity for you to think about, you know, what desires are going unfulfilled in your life right? Mm. Like what creative projects are going ignored? Like if, if that's a part of the month for you, that is showing a lot of anxiety, a lot of sadness, a lot of fatigue, like how can you sit down and really think about like, wow, this is my monthly experience of the mother, you know, which is the nurturer and the creator and the birther. So like what's going on here? So so yeah, I love basically that you said like, well, I'm just, you know, energetic and ovulating three fourths of my cycle. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and you should yeah. celebrate that and be proud of that. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm so glad you said that actually, because um, there definitely was this kind of funny um, stigma in my own mind because yes, I have learned the inner, the four inner seasons of my cycle and what they typically can look like. And honestly, I haven't fallen into, um, (laughs) the exact textbook, you know, what, what it looks like textbook wise. Um, not that there is a textbook on these things, (laughs) but, you know, and, and I kind of definitely felt this like, okay, well, there must be something wrong with me. You know, I, I actually feel quite energized right before my period. Mm -hmm. And, and like my moods actually quite elevated right before my period. And, Mm -hmm. um, typically, yeah, especially, Mm -hmm. especially in the last few months. So, you know, part of me is like, am I doing something wrong? (laughs) (laughs) 
just so silly. And, and, and it kind of hearing you say things like that gives me permission to actually just like really honor whatever the hell's going on in my body is mm-hmm. what's meant to be and mm-hmm. is, and is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And especially kind of like you said about that whole, um, uh, end of the cycle. So when we're in that phase where, you know, most people typically are experiencing PMS, you know, so various premenstrual symptoms, and that's associated with the yeah. whole archetype of the wild woman and speaking your truth and honoring your anger and all that stuff. And it's like, I always say to people like, yes, if the wild woman is showing up in your life. Once again, like, what is she asking you to notice? What is she asking you to shift? What is she asking to be honored? But at the same time, like, we don't have to encounter the wild woman every month, because essentially, within the wild woman, the wise woman is contained. So if we're in alignment, and we're living in alignment with our personal truth, and we're honoring our physical body, body, and we're giving ourselves nourishing foods, and we're choosing supportive people to be in our life, then essentially, it should really just be this slow cruise into like a beautiful bleed. And essentially, we should just be going about living our life. And then we notice our period is there and we're like, okay, great, cool. I'll go to bed a little bit earlier tonight, right? Like it doesn't need to be this like huge dramatic entrance into the bleed in order to be a cyclically connected woman. There's something really powerful about just like, you know, life is good. Life is beautiful. Life is aligned. So I'm just kind of cruising from one um, season to the next. And I get to drop down deeper into a more subtle experience because there's not such a growth um, uh, experience asking me to evaluate so much. Mm. Well, that, yeah, that's, that's relief. I feel so lucky, not lucky, but I I feel glad that um, my, my cycle is feeling, it feels very mild Mm. right now. Like the last several um, months have just been like, yeah, very drama free menstrual mm-hmm. cycles, like not huge, um, fluctuations in my moods or like everything just feels super even keel. And my periods have been very enjoyable, like mm-hmm. not, no, no pain. Like they're, you know, the only complaint I would really have about my cycle at, at all, actually, would just be that I spot for a really long time after like I spot all the way up until I ovulate again. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, if obviously I'm sitting here like, well, let me diagnose you. And I'm like, no, you can't do that, Emily. You don't know anything about this person. She hasn't filled out an intake health form for you. But, <laughs> but it's like when, you know, when I teach people fam, like what I really dig into them is like, no one can develop an intimate understanding of your menstrual cycle the way that you can. So I'm not there to fix people, to diagnose people, to make them quote unquote better. I'm there to teach you the tools and teach you your anatomy, teach you your physiology, teach you how to understand your cycle so that you yourself have the skills and have the tools to chart your cycle and then start getting feedback. Once again, about your healing. And I really love how you took it to that big level. We're not only talking about healing from endometriosis or PCOS or sexual trauma, but also all of us are stepping into a healing from the shame-based education that we receive around menstruation. So we get that healing, but then we also get the health, right? So like, oh, interesting. I kind of, you know, I kind of noticed that I'm spotting this way Um, during this time of the year, I'm spotting a little bit differently in fall. 
And so when we have a charting practice, we not only just get to notice what is happening within that month, but we get to kind of start seeing these patterns over a longer period of time. And then from there, you can be like, okay, like, well, what's, what's been different in your house over the past seven months? What's been different in your eating over the past seven months? Did you start a new job? Did you move to a new place? So kind of actually guiding people with these questions so that they themselves can arrive at these answers. Mm-hmm. But then I also do love just like grounding it down with some general science, which is like typically when we have spotting in the follicular phase, it's an invitation to like check in with our adrenal gland health, you know, like something just like this very practical and real like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that like, go ahead. <laughs> there, there, yeah. Just, just that it's like, yeah, there's some light bulbs going off there. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my eating has been getting better. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been pulling out of my postpartum depression and anxiety mm. in a big way lately. Um, mm. my, my husband and I went on a vacation, like mm. all these great things have been happening. And then also, mm-hmm. um, but I do know, like there was, you know, I had like a year and a half of like extreme anxiety. So my mm. adrenals probably do need some attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also about just like hearing that kind of information and not being like, oh, damn it, like something's wrong with my adrenals or like I'm spotting. It's like, (laughs) you know, it's just, it's just, I really like to guide people through more of that mindful connection, which is like, oh, like things are changing in my life. Therefore, it's reflected in my cycle. Right? Like, of course, like, of course, we're not robots. I'm not going to bleed the exact same way every single month for my entire life, which of course is what we're told we should do, which is why people take the pill and have a fake bleed that doesn't resemble anything like a real cycle. But it's like, it's okay if our cycle. Yeah, but just that whole piece where it's like, you know, letting go of this idea that we need to have this perfect 28 day cycle with five days of like bleeding. And it's like, yeah, you're going to have some spotting and invitation to just reflect on certain aspects of your health. And we're humans, you know, we're humans, we get older, we go through experiences, and we're all just doing our best to try to guide our body back into vitality. Yeah. So I have um, a question. I'm curious what what your opinion is on period apps, tracking. I have an entire podcast that people can listen to. Oh, great. Title, the episode is titled Why You Should Delete Your Psycho Tracking App. <laughs> okay. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah. So I am not a fan of the psycho tracking apps for a few reasons. Firstly, I don't necessarily think that they're like a harmful tool and that they're, you know, like really leading people down the wrong path, etc. I actually appreciate the apps because I think of them as a gateway drug. Yes, so they're very okay. much like a gateway drug that that women take and they're like, "Ooh, I'm going to start connecting to this app and you know, I'm plugging my data in and the app is basically telling me like where I'm at in my cycle and what's happening to my body. But then I even have some clients that have recently come to me and they're like, you know what, I got to learn fan from you because this app keeps telling me data that I know doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. That like I know is not aligned with reality. It's telling me I'm going to bleed and I don't bleed until five days later, telling me I'm fertile on these days, but I like don't know if I can trust it. And what I always remind people is that like this app is a device that exists outside of you. that's charging on your kitchen counter. If you don't know what the hell is happening in your body today, why would that thing charging on the other side of your kitchen counter, like understand what's happening in your body. 
So the apps are basically just taking that good old little process we all did when we were, you know, teenagers, which is like kind of just like inconspicuously circled that day on your little on your calendar. <laughs> yeah. You know, you put like a little star, you were like, I'm fast, I'm gonna put it in red. <laughs> put a little red star about when you got your period and you counted for over 28 days and you put another little star. Yeah. And you know, that's as deep as I really went into it because I just wanted to know what days of the month I needed to have my bleached tampons in my bag when I would go to class. <laughs> yeah. That's all I was like, that was the start and end of my engagement with the entire experience. Yeah. But basically these apps have just taken that exact same practice and they've put it into a digital form. So instead of writing on our calendar, we're just writing it into a digital app and then they've dressed it up a bit with their algorithms. Right. So they've just dressed it up with some algorithms to basically say, oh, well, now you're, you know, you're, you're 12 days after your, you last told us you were bleeding, so you're probably hurt now, now et cetera. And so all of these digital apps are nothing more than just a dressed up form of the rhythm method that have fancied themselves up with various notifications yeah. to make us think that it's more intelligent than us. But right. we actually possess a much, much deeper intelligence when it comes to being able to understand what's happening in our body from shifting from this neck up, like, oh, what's happening in my body? Let me use my eyes to like grab my phone and like find out mm. versus like, you know, you are all about. So what's the neck down experience? Like, can I wipe my hands across my vulva and feel if there's any cervical mucus? Can I place my hands on my womb and take a few deep breaths and check in with myself? Can mm. I actually, in the shower, use my longest, cleanest finger to insert up my vaginal canal from a place of safety and reverence and connection and actually notice my cervical position, opening texture mm. to gain insight into where what's happening in my body? And that's so much more, like you said, than just like being able to predict or, uh, I mean, prevent or achieve pregnancy, but rather like, what does it look like to live in a deep symbiotic relationship with ourselves, with our own body, with our own understanding of the way our physiology shifts over the course of our cycle, and then plotting that information down on good old fashioned pen and paper to understand what's happening in our body. Mm. So yeah, like I said, it's not necessarily that I think the apps are harmful. I just think there's a much deeper, profound way to be tracking our cycles and yeah. rather just checking in with an app. Yeah, yeah. I can, like, they, it creates another box mm -hmm. to put ourselves in with limitations it with how deep it takes us. It creates another reliance. It's a shifting of a reliance from pharmaceutical solutions for contraception to then shifting our reliance to algorithms. Yeah. And I definitely do think that using apps and various femtech devices for contraception is harmful. I think that it's not reliable at all. And the various apps out there that I won't name, because like I don't want to get sued, <laughs> but the various <laughs> apps out there that are directly advertising themselves as you know 99% effective birth control etc and charging people money monthly for subscriptions for their services are inherently harmful mm -hmm. they are profiting off of their users not understanding their body they are profiting mm -hmm. off of users not understanding 
the pseudoscience they're presenting that doesn't actually align with anything that fertility awareness educators understand. And that's why various femtech companies used fashion bloggers and influencers to advertise their products because no educated fertility awareness educator will promote their product for them. So they have yeah. to turn to fashion bloggers who they're like, we'll give you a year free subscription if you talk about this. And then those fashion bloggers are posting information that is not scientifically accurate. So someone's saying, oh, I had a 60 day cycle, but thank goodness for this app. It told me I ovulated on day 30 in the middle. And you're like, babe, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's oh. not how it works. So it just actually reveals the fact that if we're just constantly turning to technology, it's not actually challenging us to deepen our body literacy and step into a deeper understanding of what is happening in your body. And so that's why I just really advocate for people to, you know, do the hard work. I said challenging. I just said the word hard. It's not the easiest way. It's not the most convenient way. Getting an IUD is the most easy, convenient way if that's what you want. But what I'm offering is what I believe is the most profound way, the most transformative way and the deepest way. And as you know, from all of your experience in birthing, et cetera, that it takes, it takes some resilience. Yeah. 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 To do that. Yeah. But the, the, the payload is worth it always. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Especially like I just have a new client who was like, Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, she realized that she spent over $300 subscribing to an app over the past three years, paying her 10, you know, a $10 monthly fee, but she doesn't actually know anything more about her body than she did three years ago. So it's that kind of transition where it's like, okay, so sitting down to pay a fertility awareness educator and upfront fee, for one-on-one guidance that once seemed quote unquote too expensive to invest in, I could have actually saved all this money that I spent on the app and like put it towards this and then way ahead of where I am now after three months of guidance with yeah. a farm teacher. Yes. So right. Where are you putting investing that <laughs> yes. that money and and the energy and what are you getting in the end? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All very good points. Mm-hmm. And, and what is your, your thoughts on like women who are on the pill and things like that? Um, you know, for um, like so many women, especially of our generation, as soon as you become sexually active, it's just the default thing. Everyone just goes on the pill and mm. um yeah, what are your kind of what are your thoughts around that? Well, when I compare how a lot of normal people would perceive my perspective as very extreme and radical compared to like people with within our community of the womb workers, of the birth keepers, people within that community would probably consider me pretty moderate and pretty even keel, which is I don't necessarily believe that anything in the world is like inherently good or bad or inherently evil or awful. But I do think that it's our general culture around the way that monarchy and that first um, bleed is, is just turned into an immediately medicalized event in which the development from child to maiden is totally kiboshed and we're immediately disconnected from the development of our cyclical power and we are completely starved 
of accurate information, accessible tools, and loving guidance to bring us forth into the beautiful experience of what it means to be a cyclical being with everything we were talking about at the top. And we're instead viewed as like, oh, it's like the cool thing to do. Like everyone's getting on the pill and all of these really well-meaning parents think that they're being very progressive and supporting their daughters and access to these various forms of contraception and things that will quote unquote fix and balance your cycle. And what, what it actually does is it puts your body into a state most similar to menopause by actually turning off the functions of the ovaries and starving the pelvic bowl of blood flow because you are turning that region of the body off and you're cutting off all of the hormonal production between the brain and the womb, the hypothalamic pituitary and axis. That's a little fancy term for people. But it's not that I think, you know, the pill shouldn't exist. It's that there are so many better options and so many amazing tools out there that I think that if we understood how to live in connection to our body, and if we understood how our cycle works, and if we understood how we can avoid pregnancy naturally, that I think a hell of a lot less women would be choosing to take it, right? Yeah. If we actually yeah. understood it. But I yeah. think I just want to have like also a really zoomed out perspective and just remember that like there's the ideal world that I want a vision of everyone being the expert of their body and you know, all of us coming together in these beautiful relationships and honoring each other's flow. But then I remember that like not everyone's experience is the same as me. And for the sex worker in my neighborhood, I really hope she has access to an IUD. I really hope she has access to a pill. I really hope she has access to something to support her in her current life, yeah. um, as well as to any other kind of support that she wants along her journey, along her path. Mm. Um, and I, I hope that doesn't sound like I'm equating like, you know, the only acceptable time to use your sex worker, but I think you get what I mean. Just yep. remembering that you and I are very lucky to be able to do this work and to be on this path yes. of, of radical womb reclamation. Um, yeah. but I do believe that all of our sisters deserve access to whatever choice is supporting them in the moment based on what they know and where they're at. And I just hope that the gospel of fam can spread a little bit further and spread a little bit wider, and guide <laughs> a little bit more people back into the power of natural cycling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was so beautifully put, Emily. Mm -hmm. I love that because mm -hmm. yes, it's, um, it's easy, you know, when, when we get on these, um, when we get on these personal journeys, I guess, um, it's really easy to get caught up in this is working so well for me. So it needs to work. Mm -hmm. So it must work so well for everybody and everyone needs mm -hmm. to do this. And, and, um, I love how you just really open-heartedly, you know, you recognize and have compassion for everybody at every mm -hmm. season and every different kind of walk of life. Like we just mm -hmm. hope that they are feeling empowered and, honoring what is right mm -hmm. for them. Like that's so yeah. such an important piece to remember. Yeah. And I think about, you know, I think about someone who maybe has gone through a particular set of events in life that have brought them to develop to developing like Hashimoto's disease, like an autoimmune condition related to the thyroid. And, you know, as much as I would love to be a part of that person's team as one element of their team's journey to teach them cycle tracking while they're also visiting their naturopathic doctor, and they're also visiting um, that, you know, psychosomatic therapist, et cetera, et cetera, you know, ultimately that person might be like, you know what I need right now? I just need an IUD 
to clean this whole mess of 90 days of consecutive bleeding up for a few months while I do my research, while I find out more options, while I take all these next steps, right? Like that might actually be the exact support that someone requires for a short amount of time so they can get their head above water. Yeah, right? so they yes. can kind of like get their head above water and take a breath and like look left and look right and then take their next step forward on their journey. Yeah, And so I just think we need to just remember that like everyone's doing the best with what they know, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. doing the best with where they're at. Yeah. And I'm just here to welcome them whenever they, whenever they see that fertility awareness method is really the way to go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So can we, can we shift into pregnancy prevention? Sure. I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. This is for me personally, like this is where I'm at in my, in my Mm. journey. And, um, actually I would love to share with you a personal story. (laughs) Of course, please do. Um, so I started, um, tracking. Well, I'm trying to remember I got, I had an IUD put in right before I met my now husband. So that was like mm-hmm. 10, 10, years ago. And it was like the copper IUD and mm-hmm. oh my God, I hated it so mm-hmm. much. But, yeah. but what, what spurred that was, um, I, I was starting to learn this information that hormone long-term hormonal birth control can be quite detrimental to everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I wanted to start finding more natural, um, methods of, of pregnancy prevention. And so the copper IUD, I was like, well, it's copper's natural. I mean, yeah, it's a thing inside of me, but you know, it seemed like kind of the, a slightly more natural thing anyway. So I tried it. I hated it. Oh, are you there? (laughs) Oh yeah. I lost you for a sec. Okay. Um, so, uh, I took it out and then I started noticing ovulation. So I was kind of mm-hmm. by this, by this point in time, I had just, my husband and I had only been he, together for like a few months, but I was starting mm-hmm. to like notice the cycle coming back mm-hmm. and it felt really good. It, like there was just yes. something inside of me that was like, I want, Beautiful. I want, like, it just felt so mm-hmm. right to just let it be. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, Hey, you know, and then I remembered being a young girl, like, and noticing ovulation. Like I just noticed wow. this, like my cervical mucus would just get mm-hmm. so weird all of a sudden. Like I'd go to wipe after going to the bathroom and I'm like, ew, what the hell mm-hmm. is this? <laughs> this mm-hmm. goop coming out of me. Mm-hmm. And it used to freak me out, but then it, you know, it, it happened so frequently, obviously every month that yeah. I decided it wasn't a big deal and it didn't come with any other alarming symptoms. So mm-hmm. it must be natural. And I of course never asked any, anybody about it, just kept it to myself. And, um, but then yes, when I was, so that I would have been like 25 and seeing this ovulation thing happen again. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's what that was. So, um, but then I got pregnant unexpectedly with my first baby <laughs> because who I do love you. Uh, yeah. It you're, was, and you're so happy you have. Oh yeah. So it was, <laughs> uh, we were both, even though we'd only been dating a couple months, <laughs> we were both super thrilled and like dove in headfirst into the whole thing. But, um, but, um, so when I, when I, I kind of dabbled in and out, like 
the next few years, like, you know, we had another pregnancy and then a miscarriage and then we got pregnant with my son. And then, um, and then I tried another IUD cause I just, I wanted to do the fertility awareness method, but everybody was telling me like, it's not reliable, mm-hmm. you know, that there's so many, so many negative, um, like myths and stuff about it. Mm-hmm. I think that I'm hoping you and I will get to debunk here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but then right before I got pregnant with my third baby, who was an intentional pregnancy, um, I started really diving into this, you know, paying attention to my cycle. And it wasn't, I didn't even track my temperature because it was so obvious when I was ovulating, I didn't Mm. whatever. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and then after she was born, I went right back into that with even more rigor because I started learning about the inner seasons and, and all of these Mm -hmm. next layer, and resting and all these things. Um, and then, and and my period was very regular and everything was, was going hunky dory. And then I got pregnant with my fourth baby very unexpectedly, Mm. even though I had been, you know, successfully preventing pregnancy for a few years at this point and feeling quite confident in my capabilities and like, so I'll kind of just go into a little bit of detail. So that cycle, I was expecting my ovulation. And so, you know, my husband and I took our preventative measures at that time. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting into my fertile window. So let's just be extra careful or not have sex. Um, and then like the day I'm supposed to ovulate comes and goes. And I'm like, no, no special mucus, like no ovulation symptoms at Mm. all. And I never did have any ovulation at all. And I was like, well, that's so weird. And then mm. fast forward two weeks, my period didn't come. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I took a test and it was positive. And I'm like, well, how pregnant am I? Mm. Am I like, was my last period a false right. period? Cause I never mm. ovulated that, that cycle at mm. all. So I was very confused on how the hell I got pregnant. <laughs> mm. And I still to this day, I'm like scratching my head because I, yeah. I I don't get it. I don't know what happened there. Yeah. Ooh, I would love to break down this little case study. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe immaculate conception, maybe the first is the chosen one. <laughs> That's they what have we a joke about. destiny in front of them. <laughs> But basically, I'll break it down a few different ways, which is there's two, there's two different worlds. One of them is called fertility awareness, and one of them is called fertility awareness method. So fertility awareness is like cycle awareness, like, you know, connecting to the seasons of my body and like understanding what's happening and like noticing that fertile mucus and like, you know, um, reflecting on when I'm bleeding in relation to the moon and like eating for my cycle, exercising for my cycle. Those are all beautiful, wonderful practices. And then there's fertility awareness method. And I was, you maybe saw me run and grab my arm and I grabbed for my little, you know, hurting (laughs) journal. Those of you that can't see, I I grabbed my literal actual old school duotang with my charts in it. And I wish everyone could see this, but what I say to people is if you can't show me your chart, you're not practicing fertility awareness method. The okay. chart is the method, right? Like the chart is the actual quote unquote birth control, even though 
I know you and I know that birth is not something that needs to be controlled, but just for simplicity's sake, like this paper okay. is the birth control. Without that, we're practicing the cyclical awareness, a deeper connection to our womb. And those are all wonderful things. But to sit down and actually understand the notation of our various cervical mucuses and plotting down on a graph our basal body temperatures, maybe incorporating our cervical position and plopping down our signs for that, maybe incorporating LH strips. If we don't want to take our temperature, you could just do cervical mucus and LH strips, for instance. And then you're actually cross-referencing those pieces to know when you're fertile and when you're not fertile up to an accuracy of over 99% effective because wow. of the rigorous practice that we're doing. And so in my own journey of coming to fertility awareness method, I, I started with all of the cyclical awareness understanding that really was a part of my massive catapult to my spiritual awakening and reconnecting to my dharma. And I was like, holy man, I know what I'm supposed to be here in the world to do. I'm supposed to be teaching grade six. <laughs> I don't want to teach grade six anymore. I don't want to teach people kids. They drive me crazy. I don't even want kids. I want. I need to teach people how to prevent pregnancy naturally. Oh my god! <laughs> and really, I thought, wow, if there's anything we need to be teaching, if there's anything I'm supposed to be teaching people in this lifetime, it's this. But my whole point is, I really started on that journey of self-teaching, like a lot of us do. So like I thought taking charge of your fertility, I was listening to some various podcasts, I was subscribing to some different newsletters of people who do what I now do as a certified fertility awareness educator. And I was just kind of like piecemealing together all of these various pieces of information, not necessarily because I really needed to apply it for pregnancy avoidance at the moment, but rather I was just falling down this fascinating rabbit hole that I know you and your listeners understand, which is like, holy man, like, why aren't we taught anything about our bodies or our cycles? So I was very much on that journey of awakening to my power as a co-creator within the universe, being a woman, being a menstruator, realizing like all of the potential I have to create. And so along that journey of self-teaching, of self-learning, like I got a lot figured out. Like I really did get a lot figured out and I was really proud of, of, of everything I did manage to teach myself. But then when I moved back from living abroad and going on my whole eat, pray, love journey where I was self-teaching and self-learning and going deep, I did reach out to a certified fertility awareness educator in my city that someone put me in touch with. And I just had two, two quick sessions with her. Like since I had already self-taught a lot, I wasn't like starting from scratch. And just in those two little one hour sessions a month apart, I was like, oh man, like she just kind of nailed down all these little things, yeah. right? And kind of just like refined this and refined that and corrected this and corrected that. And then also gave me a specific language of codes according to her method of how to chart and what to actually plop down and what to put in and what colors to do with squares and how to actually interpret your temperatures, et cetera. And so it's important to know that even the term fertility awareness method is a huge umbrella. And the rhythm method is actually one type of method under that umbrella, which has an efficacy rate of about 70% effective. Then there's standard days, calendar days, two day rule, a lot of that kind of falls into that same pattern. But then there's all these other ones, symptothermal, symptohormonal, justice, stem, marquette, 
there's all these different kinds and they Pinto pro and they all would have slightly different ways of teaching it and slightly different ways and slightly different rules, but the rules make sense within that framework of that method. Okay. And so whenever I kind of get these um, stories, you know, at a barbecue, at a party and someone kind of goes, oh, that, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. It's how I got pregnant. <laughs> I always say, I always say to them, oh no, what happened? Tell me what method you were using. And then they're like, uh, and I'm like, and I'm like, no shame, sister, no shame, no shame, no blame, no nothing. But it doesn't sound to me like you were practicing fertility awareness method. It sounds to me like you knew a little bit about body literacy and you knew a little bit about what you were doing. And you were just like, all right, like we won't have unprotected intercourse on days where there's some juicy juice coming out of my vulva. And on some dry days, we'll go with it. And it kind of happens around here. My cycle is somewhat regular, but there's a lot more nuance and a lot more specificity mm. to actually applying a method for reliable contraception. The one thing that I hear often from my clients who did kind of go, who did it, just discover my work and go, oh my God, I need to learn this and jump in right away to learn but rather kind of went on that journey of learning themselves after they're done working with me. One of the biggest piece of feedback I heard was like, you know, I knew, I felt like I knew what I was doing, but it was mentally unsustainable because I still felt like the pressure was on me to figure it out. And the weight was on me and my relationship to manage it. Yeah. And I still never felt quite sure. But after working with you, I feel empowered because I feel so sure. Mm. Like, I feel like I really know. And like, that's to me also a part of really demystifying this concept of intuition, right? And like demystifying what it means to deeply know something to be true, that you can tap into those biomarkers, right? Like reading my temperature and cross-referencing it with my mucus and having my little safe day count of three after my peak day is not overriding my intuition. It's actually like the channel to me really deeply and confidently being like, wow, I have unprotected intercourse every cycle and I don't fear pregnancy. And that's a massive thing to say. And, you know, doctors are like, well, take a prenatal just in case. I'm like, no, just in case. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm not getting pregnant. And if I do, I'll just, you know, kind of have a herbal abortion. All good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, um, it's really empowering to sit down with a professional who can just connect those dots and clarify the practice and take it to a level where there's kind of this big sigh of like, ah, like now I get it. Mm. And so I'm really not about being a gatekeeper to the wisdom. And there's a lot of people online that are like, you have to learn from a certified instructor. You have to learn from a certified instructor. And I'm like, look, women were doing this thousands of years ago. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like without writing anything down, like they knew what they were doing. Um, so I don't think people have to learn from a certified fertility awareness educator. But what I will say is the people I work with that do self-teach are often missing two or three absolutely fundamental key details to charting that is that difference between you really want to avoid pregnancy or you're okay being in a gray zone with contraception because that's also okay like people get yeah. to be like oh we're not not trying 
Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's a great place to be in. I love being in that place. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And so, you know, and that's what I say, you know, that's when, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking to people like you or talking to that woman at the barbecue that's like, doesn't work. And I'm like, well, were you really doing it though? Which is like, <laughs> you're allowed, like you're allowed to be somewhere in the middle, right? Like you're allowed to just be letting life flow. And I call it, you know, we have TTA, trying to avoid, TTC, trying to conceive. And then I have TTW, trying for whatever. You know what I mean? Some people <laughs> cool. are some people are, are track, sorry, track to achieve, track to a little bit, track to whatever. Some people are tracked to whatever, yeah. right? They're just like, I'm tracking, but I don't know. I'm not really following the rules 100%. We're just going to kind of like see what happens. And that's an okay place to be as well. But I think it's really important in the protection of the integrity of the reliability of fertility awareness method for people to understand the distinction between fertility awareness cycle awareness versus here's my chart. I practice syntothermal. I practice fem. I practice, you know, I can actually voice to you the, the exact method I'm using and I understand the rules. And I have an amazing instructor who I can always go to their monthly Q&A session and just clarify right. what's going on in my chart. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. That sounds very different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and I mean so and I'll give a little freebie away to everyone which is one of those big things that I often see is the missing piece is that people have all learned that fertile cervical mucus is clear stretchy and lubricative so they're all looking for the egg white but in fact you only need to have one of those for it to be peak quality cervical mucus it only needs to be either clear or stretchy or lubricative. Oh. So some women will have a cervical mucus that has such a high water content. Like one of my clients right now who came to me because she saw a little post about that. She was like, that's me. I've been, I've been looking for the egg yolk for years. I've never seen it. I've never seen the egg, I've never seen the egg white stuff in my life that you kind of see on a pregnancy blog. And then people are like, well, I'll just switch the pregnancy rules to avoid. <laughs> and um you know, but when she wipes, she feels a lubricative kind of, ooh, my hand just hits the back of the toilet at a certain day of the month, for a certain few days of the month, because it's so lubricative, because her mucus is so high in water content. She's never going to be right. able to pick anything up off the toilet paper. Right. And that's just only one example of like over 16 different combinations of code that I teach for cervical mucus, right? Mm. Um, and you can also have non-peak. So cervical mucus that is neither clear nor stretchy nor lubricative it's none of those it could be creamy but it could still be fertile and it could still be enough to nourish and transport a sperm so someone might just have like this really gummy yellow cloudy little glob on their inner thigh and not think anything of it and that could actually be the way that their fertile mucus is showing up okay and and that go ahead sorry And that can change like, so, um, I'm just thinking about my experience getting pregnant Mm -hmm. with my fourth then. So, so like typically I do have, um, quite thick, like it's Mm -hmm. like almost like boogers sometimes. (laughs) Like it's (laughs) like, it's not stretchy. Sometimes it's like, like a gelatin, like, and, um, I actually had someone tell me that that was not good. They're like, Oh, that's Mm. not supposed to be like that. And I'm like, Oh, but whatever, neither here nor there. Um, 
but then maybe like the next month, it might not be like that. It might Mm -hmm. be more of like the creamy kind of like with the typical mucus that I would see throughout my cycle. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe, so I might've ovulated and it just was a different kind of mucus than it typically is. Yeah. Well, even within that language, you definitely did ovulate because you got pregnant. Right. And so if there was right. no and ovulation, yes. if yeah. there was no ovulation, there would be no pregnancy, but it, it, you know, and there's so much to consider. Like, um, did you conceive on the first day that mucus was present? And therefore you hadn't really entered into that stretch of days that you typically see a fertile yeah. cervical mucus yet, right? Yeah. So maybe there was just a little bit of some pasty, gummy cervical mucus just coming out of that cervix and the sperm kind of intercepted it just as it was happening or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then maybe after that, you took some antihistamine because you had an aller- allergic reaction and then the, the antihistamines cause the cervical mucus to dry up, right? Like there's different things like that, that when you work with a certified instructor, this is what we would actually learn in our training, et cetera, right? Like myself, right. I have seasonal allergies. So I know that my mucus observations in the spring are not always very reliable because my mucus tends to like disappear in the spring, not because I'm not ovulating, but because of the interaction of the relationship between histamines and estrogen. I'm not actually producing a lot of that. And I mean, and that's only one little quick thing, right? Like that's only one little, one example. example. Yeah. One little example of like the nuance of um, what could be different, or maybe someone had a few glasses of wine and that gave them a false temperature shift, but they didn't actually know that drinking alcohol can increase your basal body temperature the next morning. So they saw that temp shift. And they were on a camping trip that weekend and having beer for a few days. And they were like, I ovulated, it's done, it's over. I have some higher tempers, temperatures, my temp jumps. Um, but they didn't actually know that that was unlikely ov- ovulation and you could have had a disturbance because of your alcohol consumption. Right. And that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that to practice time we can't have a glass of wine now and then it means that would be something you would note on your chart, right? Yeah. So you can be like, ah, just keep that in mind and see what happens in my chart over the next few days. So I can know if that was a temp jump because I ovulated or was it just because I had a few glasses of wine. Is there like a, a, a spot on the chart that you had just kind of showed us there um, that you would write something like that? Yeah, we have a note section. A note section yeah, yeah, there's a note section at the bottom. And I mean, it's funny because I, I, I often kind of get into this funny zone where people are like, I don't know, fertility awareness method sounds hard. And I'm like, no, it's very simple. You just got to check your mucus every day. You just got to take your temps every day at the same time after five hours of sleep. You just got to plop it in this chart. And then you just got to cross-reference those two. And then you just know if you're fertile or not. And people are like, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's, that's why it sounds hard. <laughs> so like... Oh, it's so easy, but it's like when I remind people whenever they look at a chart like this that, that, that appears perhaps daunting is this is 60 seconds of my day every okay. day. Okay, that was going to be my right? next question. Like, what is the time commitment here we're talking about? So yeah. what we're talking about is an integrated awareness of our body throughout the day. What we're talking about is an, an integrated of awareness of our cyclical existence 
that we're then grounding down and rooting down into the practical practice of wiping our vulva consciously before and after we use the toilet. Mm. So we're going to the bathroom anyway. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. we're urinating, we're pooping anyways, we're having a shower anyways, pulling down our pants. So what we're doing is just going from unconsciously wiping our vulva with no understanding as teenagers as to what's going on and finding ourselves at 23 being like, do I have a UTI? Like, do I, what, do I have an infection? Like, am I broken? What's, <laughs> am I, I'm so gross. Like I have snot out of my pussy. Like what's going on? <laughs> We go from that to consciously wiping and going, okay, there's a time in my cycle that I bleed. Then I notice there's some dry days where there's nothing really on my toilet paper before or after I pee, except for the pee. Then there's some days where there's something else interesting. And then learning to chart and interpret what it is that you are seeing on those days, followed by like this huge length of your entire luteal phase that will also be dry. And so we're learning to just go from wiping and not seeing the value in interpreting our biomarkers to then just wiping and interpreting in the moment what that biomarker is. And then you work with someone like me to actually teach you something a little bit more than wipe and look, like we actually break it down with a little bit more specificity. And then at the end of the day, when you're going to bed, you chart the most first house sign you saw of the day. So we're not just wiping once before we go to bed, we're wiping every time we use the toilet, every time our pants are down, and then we're charting our most fertile sign that we saw at the end of the day. So it becomes a little bit of a bedtime ritual. Okay. So it's a bedtime ritual. And then while I'm doing that little bedtime ritual and I'm writing down my mucus, that's when I'm shaking my little old school glass thermometer down, just flicking it with my wrist or, you know, when I'm in a relationship, that's what I, this is his job. When I'm in a relationship and he's sleeping over, I'm like, yeah, you shake the thermometer down. You set the alarm on your phone for 6 a.m. You stick it under my armpit. That's your job. (laughs) (laughs) So I will check my mucus and you check my temperature. And then, so it's kind of this beautiful nighttime wake up routine. Every night, a couple, literally, you know, 30 seconds. Yeah. Jotting down my most fertile sign jotting down my temperature, shaking the thermometer down, doing a little yoga nidra, going to bed. And then when I wake up, the first thing I do every morning before I start my day is flip this old school $10 glass thermometer under my armpit and take my temperature. And when people say, oh, that's so hard to do. I'm like, is it too hard for us to spend 10 minutes on our phone every morning? Like, <laughs> is that too hard? <laughs> you know, like, is that too hard? A little you, you made that a pretty good pa- like habit every morning. Most people yes. have anyway. <laughs> yes. And it's like, yeah. so you just, I tell people, you just put that thermometer on top of your phone. Put that thermometer on top of your phone because you're likely like, it's pretty easy to grab that and waste the next 10 minutes of your life. Yeah. And you can still do that. Why not do it with a thermometer underneath your armpit for the ultimate tool of sexual sovereignty and <laughs> intergenerational healing tool? <laughs> right? Oh, I love that. So, so I think that when we when we um, put all of this down to avoid pregnancy, achieve pregnancy, it can seem like a lot of work. But when we think of it as an integrated tool of understanding our body and stepping onto the throne of sexual sovereignty, so we can understand the way our body works and make sexual choices aligning with what we want, because we understand the science for ourselves, that's Mm. radically empowering and a huge payoff for the trade of taking your temperature every morning, right? And being able to pass that wisdom on to your children. Yes. Um, 
I envision a world where my job doesn't even exist anymore because mothers are just teaching daughters, you know, like, please let's make my career obsolete. Like let's just have mothers, <laughs> let's have mothers teaching daughters. Let's have these introductory concepts of cervical mucus as just something that we're learning as teenagers from a place of body literacy. So that by the time we find ourselves in a situation um, where we want to start having unprotected sex with someone, we then can simply just apply the next set of rules and guidelines for pregnancy avoidance, right? Yeah. Um, and so it can just be part of that scaling and scaffolding of the information hmm. to become a tool that supports us through the entire continuum of our reproductive experiences yeah. from anarchy all the way to menopause, yeah. right? You could even see the way your charts look postpartum which are obviously going to be different during breastfeeding chapters of your life. You can also start seeing insight into when you might be entering perimenopause. Yeah. Right. So you're like, Ooh, yeah. my cycles are getting longer. Like my ovulation is becoming more delayed. I have less cervical mucus than I did five years ago. So even insights like that. So right. there's so much going on here, but yeah, but basically to kind of get back to what we were saying, it's like a minute every night to plop in the chart, summarize your day. Yeah. 10 minutes in the morning to take your temperature. I turn it into a meditation, a lying down meditation, consciously wiping in the day. Yeah. What I tell people is imagine you never heard a single thing about dental hygiene in your life. And then one day someone comes along and they're like, you got to brush twice a day. And you're like, whoa, it's so much work. <laughs> <laughs> I love that comparison. <laughs> toothbrush that costs like $70 but like I heard that like bamboo ones are better. it's like what should I like you know imagine if you just didn't know and then all of a sudden there's like options and devices and different strategies and you're like do what happens if I don't floss every day and you're like the world won't come to an end if you don't floss every day but you know your mouth would probably be happier if you do floss every day like fertility awareness happens is the same kind of thing it's a lot because we've never been taught it but imagine if it was just something that you slowly learned it wouldn't really be this huge lifestyle, quote unquote, choice. Yes. It'd be just like an integrated part of your experience. The way that dental hygiene is an integrated part of your experience. Yes. So your reproductive health should just be an integrated daily check-in the way that you take care of your teeth every day. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that so much. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Ah, yes. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I, um, I try to be really open with my kids about, about my menstrual cycle and the rhythms of my life. And, and, uh, like I bleed in front of them and change my pads in front of Amazing. them and talk mm -hmm. to them. And they ask a lot of questions. I've only just started doing this in the last couple of years. So like my older two were like pretty blown away when I started just doing that in front of them. Um, and they were, you know, there was a lot of like, oh my God, that's gross. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, actually, it's not gross. I'm still, my, my son still needs convincing. <laughs> he's, he's just not okay with bodily fluids. For mm -hmm. some reason. Like in general, he's just like, Ugh, poo, mm -hmm. pee, ugh. but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I think that's a really, really awesome point to make and in, to encourage women to think about, you know, who are mothers or who are going to be, become mothers. Like, 
just instead of ha- making it the talk, you have this mm-hmm. incredibly stressful, overwhelming, anxious conversation you're planning on having with them someday when you think they're ready, you know, um, just make it an in t- like in every part of your day. It's mm-hmm. we talk, we talk about this stuff every day. Mm-hmm. So it's not weird. It's not shameful. It's not confusing and overwhelming. It's not something that needs medical management. You know, mm-hmm. like, I love that, you know, the whole and integrating. Bo- I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to end with like the body literacy. I love that term that you keep using, like teach it mm-hmm. to them from childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And like, even just like the, the, the normalized um, use of this language in workplaces. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, your people are coordinating with their team and they're like, well, I'm going to be in my inner summer next week. So I think I should do the presentation. Right. And another woman is like, yeah, you know what? I'm coming up to my winter. So I'm going to, I'll do the tech. I'll do the clicking at the back computer. Right. Like even just like normalizing that so that everyone could be happier and everyone would just be synergizing in a much more effective way because our kind of fear with all of the stuff is going to you know throw up all the systems and it's going to mess yes. things up and how do I integrate it into my life but yeah. really as we know if we just embrace feminine principles everything would run a hell of a lot better right like things would yes. go so much smoother because right now we're unconsciously working against our bodies from a place of not knowing and then we step into consciously working with our hormones because we've stepped into the opportunity of body literacy and self-understanding and cyclical awareness. And then we're grounding that down through a training practice, right? Through a daily training practice. And yeah, like you, like you said, you know what I mean? Like, you know, your kids seeing you right in your chart. I remember you even shared when I met you that you were like dancing and one of your kids was like, mommy, you look sexy. I don't like it when you dance sexy like that. And you were like, I'm mom's moving her hips it's all good like whatever and you're like I am sexy get over it yes (laughs) yes because once again it doesn't become the talk it just becomes children witnessing the role models in their life honoring their body and connecting with who they are and letting themselves be um and yeah I have a niece named Sunshine and she's the same my sister's you know like a a radical home birther and all of that cool stuff and uh, homeschooling her kids homeschooling her kids all that stuff and Sunny also is still like married their girls my girls even though she's totally surrounded by these uh, you know these wild women um but isn't that so interesting yeah I mean I think it's well because I think that no matter how much we dress it up and how much we embrace it it's like also about it's like it's shadow work right like it's 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 our own internal shadow work and so every little being on the planet is isn't going to be saved from needing to integrate these deeper darker parts of themselves which are encapsulated within the feminine concept of the womb right and so yeah (laughs) so she's she's still gonna have to go on that journey of unearthing and embracing these deep dark parts of herself and really realizing that they are a power so Mm-hmm. And I always wonder too, um, I'm so quick to always point fingers at patriarchy. Uh, I, mm. I have to really check my rage sometimes, but, um, mm-hmm. or not, <laughs> but, <laughs> or not or like not. that. <laughs> um, but I always wonder like if, if, you know, with children, uh, it, 
you know, my children, I've always been really open and I'm a liberated woman. And I express that in front of them. Um, yet they still have this underlying conditioning, I'm going to say. And I think it comes from the, the collective yeah. and the patriarchy. Like they're just, they're born into it. Yeah. Um, it's just mm-hmm. like, it's just, they're, they're imprinted mm-hmm. into it from childhood mm-hmm. that, you know, these, they're not hearing these conversations at large and therefore they know or think they know that it's gross, shameful, very mm-hmm. private, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's kind of hard for me, you know, when I feel like I'm doing all this good work with them and helping them, you know, and then I hear my son say something like, ew, I don't like it when you dance sexy or, mm-hmm. you know, ew, your period blood's gross. And it's so hard for me to just be like, ah, oh, damn you patriarchy. You're fucking up my kids. <laughs> I'm trying to undo all this work and here you are still got a, still got a hold on them. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've had this conversation even before with people like my therapist, et cetera, where I was just like, I've done all this work and I'm doing all this work, but like, why is this, why is there still this part of me that feels like I need to show up and serve a role for like a man in his life, et cetera. And she's like, she's like, because that subtle messaging is everywhere around you all the time like even though you have an internal seat of power even though you're doing this work even though you're critically questioning all of this and even though you're not even someone who necessarily just mindlessly consumes all of these messages around you there is just this fabric woven into our society where this is the system this is the way it is and so that unconscious imprinting is still always coming for you right like it's still always kind of around you just in public spheres and public places so yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 wild it it made me realize like just how deep those little hooks yeah how early in our lives those little hooks of the patriarchy and all that messaging get us and stick Mm -hmm. with us and it's constant undoing yeah and we're not we're not earth-based people right? Like we're not, we're so disconnected from indigenous practices and reverence for an understanding of their culture. And we're extremely disconnected as white people to know that thousands of years ago, we also came from a people that were connected to the land somewhere along the line, yeah. right? Like at some point in our history, we were pagan or something, right? Yeah. And so we're just so disconnected from I think that full embrace of like the nitty gritty and the dirty and the release down to the earth and that, you know, what, what, what is rotten will nourish and rise, right? Like what is, what is burnt will be born again. Like we are just so, um, uh, fixated on the pure. Yeah. The pure, the clean, the linear, the forward, the expansion, the growth, the dominance right? That we don't understand what it really means to surrender. And I mean, surrender in all those senses, even releasing our feces and just surrendering that the meal we ate to the earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, right, it's a fertilizer for next year's prep. Like we just on every single level of that, we're so disconnected from just the cyclical concept that of course, yeah. when it comes to menstruation, we're just that much more disconnected from its power as a ritual you know, from its power as, um, you know, a healthy way to be a healthy bodily process. 
Yeah. Oh my God. I feel that. Yeah. Actually it was funny. <clears throat> my husband and I just went on a sheep hunt, um, a couple weeks ago. And that was, it was my first sheep hunt ever. I mean, I've done like hiking and stuff before, but this was definitely like next level for me. And I was so surprised how much I enjoyed pooping in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it was, I'm like, wow, this is quite enjoyable. <laughs> And I'm somebody who, you know, kind of deals with constipation more often Mm. than not. And, and just to, yeah, like every time I squatted down to go pee, I pooped like every time I was like, Hey, so I actually, when I came home, I actually started like putting my feet up on the toilet seat with my butt when I, when I pee and I like poop way more regularly now. I'm like, wow. But yeah, there's definitely something, um, um, innate and, Mm -hmm just feels right <laughs> on a mm-hmm. human, on a human level to just yeah yep, give back to the earth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I, I lived in Morocco for four years. So during my time there, I became very acquainted with squatter toilets. Right. And like what it means to just like squat and like most public toilets that were available were just squatter toilets. And I'm also the same now where like now Sometimes when I'm in a public space and I don't have my little poop stool, I also turn up the seat, get on top of that toilet ring, squat all the way down, hands on like the <laughs> on the walls of the stall. <laughs> and it just makes me think about what it really means to get in touch with your primal nature and how like every little system in our modern society is really there to disconnect us from these processes that like physiologically make sense, like scientifically make sense spiritually makes sense like it just it really makes sense on every single level but it doesn't make sense in our society that actually wants to disconnect us from the wisdom of the body right and from the power of what it means to live in connection with ourselves yeah oh my god absolutely Ugh. <laughs> nail on the head with that <laughs> Yes. So I just want to take a little shift um, to talk a little bit about like some of the um, menstrual pathologies that if, if and this is a huge topic, I know, and we're mm-hmm. kind of like, I should have brought this up way earlier, <laughs> but we've had I, I'm, no regrets. Our conversation has been so beautiful. Um, but, uh, you know, I, for me personally, I've been seeing a lot more people, a lot more women talking about PCOS and talking about, um, that one in particular has been coming up on my radar a lot lately Mm. in the last year. And I'm hearing a lot of stories about women who are like severely struggling with Mm -hmm. these menstrual pathologies and infertility also. Um, what, what, uh, I know, I know you're going to have a lot to say on these. What do I got for you? (laughs) (laughs) And go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, when it comes to these various things, yeah, a lot of those, these big ones we're hearing are, as you said, like infertility struggles, um, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, Hashimoto's, thyroid disorders, um, you know, all of these different um, things going on. And one thing I'm always very clear with in my um, offerings is that I literally have it as the first sentence on my disclosure form, which is like my consent disclosure form, which is I'm just like, Emily is not a medical doctor. She cannot diagnose or fix or, you know, 
make this better for me, if you will. And I'm always very clear to people that, you know, cycle charting and cycle tracking, you know, is, is not going to be the only tool you need along your healing journey from these various um, endocrine imbalances that you're working towards rebalancing, but it's an incredibly powerful tool. It's an incredibly powerful piece along that journey because you're going to be able to monitor what's actually helping. So every time we wipe consciously, it's a little at-home hormone test. Like every time we take our temperature, we're getting insight into our metabolism, into our thyroid health, and into our adrenal glands every single time that we take our temperature. So we're not just only interpreting this data just for knowing the days that I'm fertile and the days that I'm not fertile, but we're also getting an insight into our health, into a daily like to the level of a daily observation that you just can't, like you just can't go get a hormone test every day. You can't go get an adrenal gland test every day, but we're getting insights from the chart, which once again, makes the practice that much more worth it. So with all that being said, when we look at these various things, um, if someone is starting with PCOS, they're probably going to see delayed observation times that they have mucus followed by more dry days, but they didn't actually ovulate yet because with polycystic ovarian syndrome, poly means multiple, and then cysts would be these little eggs that are now growing kind of on the outside of the ovaries, because someone is producing levels of estrogen that are creating and developing a follicle, but then there's something off kilter within the hormonal function of the body that that LH, luteinizing hormone, is not coming in to actually properly surge it down and out through the fallopian tube. And so what's happening, there's just kind of these growing of um, follicles of these ovaries that are now staying around the ovary. But it's also very important to know, and I'm not an expert on this, so I really want to be humble in that, is that I've also heard a lot about how the diagnosis for PCOS is not always very accurate or helpful because there's people that have quote unquote PCOS who don't actually have any polycystic ovarian. Uh, poly, oh. they don't, who don't have multiple cysts on their ovaries. Okay. And there's people that do have multiple cysts on their ovaries, but are not, but do not have PCOS. And so there's even other names that people are trying to come up with to really encapsulate this experience because the main kind of qualifying factor of PCOS is that you have these high levels of androgens. So these high levels of these androgen hormones which is that people sometimes have weight gain or sometimes have facial hair growing, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, like I said, I definitely want to be very humble that I'm not a voice of expertise on PCOS. Um, but uh, something like charting definitely can support people on that healing journey. And then the same with um, endometriosis. So we have that endometrium lining that grows within our uterus. And so when people are experiencing endometriosis, there's more of something that is very similar, not identical, but something very similar to that endometrium lining is growing on other parts of their reproductive health and not just containing itself to the inside of their oh, lining. Okay. And so what that's doing is that's creating adhesions and blockages around all of these different parts as the uterus and the entire kind of system of reproduction. So the fallopian tubes, the ovaries, et cetera, are kind of all getting encased with this lining. And that's why it's called endometriosis because it's this kind of overflow of this endometrial lining-like substance that is 
getting in the way of the flow and creating all of these blockages. And so with so many of these various conditions and endocrine imbalances that people are getting diagnosed with and moving through their healing journey from, it's like, once again, I always like to zoom out and, and, and just think like the main thing that we're seeing in all of this is just a general society that ignores the womb, that silences the womb, that tells women to not listen to their body, that tells them to pop some painkillers, that tells them to take the pill to solve their problems, even though it doesn't actually fix, solve, or balance anything. And we see a dishonoring of people's internal truth, right? And a falling away of your own path of what it is that you're supposed to be doing here. And so I really like to look at these various conditions psychosomatically and really think like, what does it look like to go on that healing journey of your connection to your womb, your, your sacral chakra, your place of creativity, your relationship with your parents, your ancestral trauma, your own sexual trauma, because goddamn, we're women. Like we all go through things that we should not have to go through. And so really tapping into the deep healing of what it comes back into honoring the body. And I think there's like a massive, massive level of potent healing that comes from just A, understanding the way our body works, and then B, beginning to live in relationship with that rhythm, with that flow that we never knew was going on. But now we're tapping in and actually living in sync with these seasons. And then just from there, going on that journey and observing the way that when we listen to the body and then we honor it, it actually wants to return back to a place of homeostasis. The body wants to return back to this place of vitality. So if we can just make these little shifts, especially in our mindset, in our daily lifestyle, and kind of start getting back to that path, it doesn't happen in a day. It will probably take many years, but the body desires to move back towards vitality. And if we just work with it, then that's possible. But it, it, it brings up such bigger, bigger questions, which is what I really dig in with people in my group program, which is why my group program is more than just learning fertility awareness method, but learning fertility awareness method over four months together as a group, as the main web, as we weave in these bigger questions, right? Of like, well, how the hell am I supposed to rest when I'm menstruating? You know, like that's just not possible for me. And you're like, yeah, I also want to point fingers at the patriarchy, but we can't smash it. We have to dissolve it by withdrawing our support and our participation and our belief that this system is the only way to be. And what does it look like to do the deep work, to go to your boss and be like, I am taking tomorrow off. like that and and I mean like I'm a real person who also lives in the real world and had to go on that entire journey also so it's not like I say this with someone who Mm -hmm. has not needed to also do that kind of inner work but it takes a lot to kind of shift our entire lifestyle back to this cyclical matriarchal way of living yeah and so that's kind of my thought on all of these different pathologies etc is I'm definitely Mm -hmm. not an expert in guiding my clients in the you know exact specifics of healing through that and I like to be very honest with them up front but I am always willing to be a member of their healing team regarding what it is that I am offering which is that psychosomatic connection to the womb learning how to track your cycles learning to understand how your body works there's many people I know that would have endometriosis and they themselves don't 
even understand what it is. It's just like, I'm going for another test, going for another scan. I'm going for another, another surgery and they themselves don't even really know what it is. So there's so much power in just being able to understand. Yes. The information Inf- knowledge mm-hmm. is power. Mm-hmm. And, and I also really like what you said about, you know, homeostasis, which is, mm-hmm. um, uh, that might be an unfamiliar term to some people, but homeostasis mm. is, um, our, when our body is p- perfectly balanced, mm-hmm. which, which, you know, is, is, um, in nature is actually not achievable, but it is mm-hmm. always something that our bodies are naturally striving for. And, mm-hmm. and I heard somebody say, and I wish I could remember who it was. Cause I felt like there was so much power in this, in this quote, but the quote was, you know, when we're experiencing these menstrual pathologies, it's not that our bodies are broken. It's that Mm -hmm. that is our body trying to reach homeostasis. And it's, it's, you know, our, our bodies are put through so much, you know, psychologically, somatically, Mm -hmm. physically with the crap that we're fed and, you know, fed figuratively and literally (laughs) Mm -hmm. that it, our bodies have to go through some really drastic, insane things in order to try to get that homeostasis Mm -hmm. back. So, um, I think it's, it's so easy for us to feel like our bodies are broken, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when we're feeling pain and Mm -hmm. we're struggling to just do the daily things, um, but it's important to remember that this isn't your body trying to hating you and trying to destroy you. It's your body trying to figure itself out and heal mm-hmm. and get better. And, and thanks to like women like you who have these <laughs> amazing tools to equip women mm-hmm. to, you know, to get a little further along in the journey and understand, mm-hmm. like, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And like one thing you said, you know, just made me think about, you know, the way that these different pain signals and and um, experiences that we have that we label as discomfort and label as awful are redirecting tools, right? Not just about, well, exactly what is happening within the physiology of my endocrine system, but like what's happening in my life, right? Like the amount of women who I've worked with who, you know, talked about on their health intake form with me, you know, I had, you know, I developed vulvodynia, I had really painful sets in my twenties and this and that. And we, we dive into our work together and we kind of go on this journey. And by the end of it, they're like, it's because I was with some guy who was not right for me. <laughs> right. And like my body would not open up to pleasure and my body did not want to interact with him in that way. And, you know, so these various things that we experience as you said, if we're not broken, it's like messages from the body. Like what is ready to shift in my life? What am I ready to change in my life? And for me, that's what FAM was really about for me. It was not just about, oh, I'm taking my temperature every morning. It was like, who am I? What matters to me? What's important to me? What do I want to be doing with my life? How do I want to value myself? What comes first? Who do I want? in my life. These were the things that fertility awareness method really sparked in me because it guides you to come back into yourself, into your own needs, how you operate. So, you know, what I tell people is it's so much more than charting your cycle. It's reclaiming your womb power. Yeah. Oh, let's just sit with that for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) 
just marinate in that for a second. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, even just, even just the piss poor <laughs> half-ass method I was doing, <laughs> you know, still was, still was so potent and healing for, for that season of my life, but mm-hmm. maybe it's time for me to take it to the next level. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's funny because, um, my husband and I have, oh my God, Emily, the, <laughs> the conversations around our family planning, mm. like it drives my husband and I a little bonkers because like <laughs> everybody, you know, when we got pregnant with our fourth baby, we had so many stupid comments <laughs> from people like, like jokingly being like, Oh, don't you guys understand how this works? <laughs> like, mm. like, do you not know how to use a condom? Like, do you- <laughs> why do you keep getting pregnant? You know? And, um, and then as soon as Woodrow was born, they're like, Oh, you have an appointment to go get fixed now. Right, Josh. Wow. Like immediately once Woodrow was born and mm-hmm. And people like our family members, even people who weren't that close to us were still mm-hmm. like, okay, so now what are you going to do for family planning? Mm-hmm. What's your, tell me what your plan is. Cause you need to do something. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Josh and I obviously had the conversation and he's like very uncomfortable with getting a vasectomy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to, and he has many reasons why he doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, you know, at first I was a little bit like, well, my vagina has been through enough. So you can go, you know, that whole, that whole conversation. And, um, but then he said to me, he's like, okay, just think of this for a second. If this was reversed and your family members were pushing you to get your tubes tied, how the fuck do you think that conversation would go? Mm -hmm. And I was like, Mm -hmm. good point. (laughs) I would rage. People wouldn't say that to me, you know, as a, as a woman, I've made it very clear that it's my body, my choice about everything. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny that it, that is not reciprocated for my husband. Everyone is pressuring him. It's like a family fucking conversation around the dinner table mm-hmm. about Josh's vasectomy. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, wow, you know, it's crazy. So yeah, you know, I think people forget that like men also get to have body autonomy. Like <laughs> men also get to be sexually sovereign. Right. Like they also get to decide what they want to make about their body. And even with things like fam, for instance, um, you know, like a lot of women are like, well, how do I talk to my partner about this? Like he's trying to be like a quote unquote, like good guy. And he's like, well, I'm not supposed to have unprotected sex with you because unprotected sex equals pregnancy. And it's like mm-hmm. they also need to be held and guided through that journey of also decolonizing the way that they view reproductive health and reproductive choices. And um, that's why FAN is so beautiful because it really does support us through all of these reproductive experiences throughout the entire course of our continuum um, yeah. for both partners in a lovership or multiple partners, however you're living your life to understand each other's bodies and respect people's choices. And it even comes down to your partner saying, I actually am not comfortable having unprotected sex with you on this day. I would like to use a condom, right? Like they also get to make that choice and make that call. Yeah. mm. Yeah. I could see how, um, well, thinking about it, like Josh is, um, he's amazing in the way that he's always been very Mm. supportive of like 
whatever journey I'm on and I'm always on a journey of some sort, (laughs) he's super like supportive and wants to learn more and he wants to be a part of it. So I could Mm -hmm. see how something like this would be really nurturing for our relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, my body has always been an amazing way for us to connect through Mm -hmm. childbirth, through postpartum, postpartum healing, sexuality, like my body's needed a lot of work on our sexuality basis. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I got a lot of blockages and things I'm working through and he works with me through them. So I just feel like this is just another amazing tool in which my body can help us bond and connect and Mm -hmm. go deeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever I work with people, I always tell them, you know, like you're, you know, this is your, my, this is, this is your journey. This is your client. If you want it to be just you and I the whole time, it can be you and I. If you want to bring your partner to the call, bring your partner to the call. If you want to bring him to only one of our handful of calls together, he can come to only one, right? You know what I mean? And sometimes I'll even have a client that's like, we've been learning and it's been just her and I, and she's like, okay. So it sends me an email. All right. So my partner wants to sit down and ask you some questions. <laughs> I'm like, all good. Bring him to the next call. do you do you You find there's a bit of um, a mistrust like do you find that like partners and men really mistrust this as a family planning tool or mistrust women's bodies I think it's a I think it it moves along that entire spectrum so I've had people I've taught people that have gone through breakups while we've been working together because their partner just couldn't get on board but not necessarily, wow. it's not necessarily that they weren't just getting on board of fam yes. versus not fam, but rather this woman learning to chart and stepping into more of a sense of power and using her voice a little bit more. I mean, I, I, I remember I had a client tell me this and she said, fam is giving me the language and the tools to voice myself in my relationship. Wow. So this is, this is, a lot more than, oh, I'm checking my mucus, right? Like it was really actually giving her the language to be able to speak because when we open our pelvis, we open our throat. When we open our throat, we open our pelvis. And so, you know, the dynamic, like, yeah, I had a group program where there's a few breakups over the program. And it was because the landscape of people's lives were shifting in ways that they couldn't predict. And I think that's a lot, a reason why a lot of people don't go down this path not just the fam, but of checking in with their body and of reclaiming their womb power because it's like, fuck, things are going to change. Yes. And if things are going to change, then I need to change. And if I, if, and if I change, things are going to change, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you can't always predict the way that things are going to change. So I, I've seen that end of the spectrum. I've seen, you know, this middle, this middle ground where the guy's like, whatever, I trust you, all good, which is like totally fine. Um, but I always want to push them a little bit out of neutral and be like, what if it wasn't just like, it's all good, it's fine, whatever you're doing. And I'm always like, don't just let him be neutral and supportive while you continue to do all of it. Step into fertility awareness method as a shared responsibility, right? Of him also understanding you do not get unlimited 24, 7, 365 access to my body. You know, there are different times of the cycle. We're going to make different sexual choices depending on our comfort level and our intentions. And we're also going to get to redefine intimacy 
where mm. heteronormative unprotected intercourse is not the only way that we connect through pleasure. Yeah. And what is like the power of the spicy variety that I enjoy, that I've enjoyed in my relationships of a window of days where we don't have intercourse because we know that I'm like super fertile. And then you communicate with your partner. You're like, just had my 10th spike, three days, baby, three days. You plan me a dinner Friday night when I'm not fertile anymore. <laughs> right? Like how can it become this actual enhancer in the relationship? And I don't know, I just kind of like, now that I've been on the journey of found for over five years, I'm like, how boring just to only ever have unprotected intercourse all the time, the same way. Because you're like, I'm yeah. on the pill, you can just have unlimited access to me. Actually, right? you know, I'm really feeling <laughs> that actually. I'm like, you know what? I would love, like, I would love this, like, to, to set up some boundaries like that, where, where I can just feel free. I mean, this is my journey with, with, with sex is like, I, I like having a non-expectation gap. And I used to, I used to really appreciate my periods because I felt like in my past relationships, men were like, that is a no-go zone. You're bleeding. Mm. I'm not touching you. And I'm like, yes, yes. But my, my husband, uh, he's not so much like that. <laughs> he's like, yeah, but we got all these other things we could do. And I'm like, ah, you're like, no, I'm gross and jelly and nasty. It's fine. I'm not to be touched. I'm to be sent to the woods. Save me. <laughs> Build me a red tent and I will go away and be gross. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, but I I can see how that would that would be really freeing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to just and and like it's like obviously I know this, but I've never implemented it. So mm-hmm. I can see how just putting up yeah, putting up some stricter boundaries. And and it builds anticipation too, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like you said, like like putting up those kind of playful rules and it doesn't always have mm-hmm. to be playful, but it can be serious too. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, yeah I, love, I like that. Yeah, and it and it that brings us to a distinction between fertility awareness method and fertility awareness based method, which is in pure. I actually I don't want to use the word pure. Sorry, true. True method is when you abstain from genital to genital contact during the fertile window, and that's what's been proven to be over ninety nine percent effective. Okay. And then there's fertility awareness based methods, which is you're using fertility awareness as an insight into your body to know when in the cycle you want to use other approaches like um condoms withdrawal or a combination of both condom and withdrawal in peak fertile days um but then it's important to note that then the reliability is then resting on that method that you're using so withdrawal is about 70 percent effective um condoms are about 90 percent effective and just also reminding ourselves that no form of contraception is 100 percent effective but all forms of contraception are 100% effective outside the fertile window because it's impossible to get pregnant outside of the fertile window. Therefore, all different percentages we have are based on what's happening in those, you know, handful yeah. of days that conception is possible. Yeah. So we just need, you know, we just really need to like rejig these ways that we understand these numbers and understand these concepts to be like, right, you can't get pregnant every day of the cycle. Um, right. so yes. yeah, so, you know, and then deciding how you approach that, like, okay, are we just like not going to do genital, genital contact for the next week and just like 
look at each other across the kitchen. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> Wait <laughs> for it. <laughs> I have a client that goes up to her husband and says, if you wanted to have a baby, now would be the day. And he's like, okay, no, 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 I also feel like that'd be some fun, like, I don't know, I could see me getting into some kinky play like that too. Like, um, cause I, I love trying sex. Like that was like, Mm. oh man, it was so good for me. I mean, we have a lot of good sex outside of trying as well, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, I could see for me being like, Hey baby, I'm so (laughs) fertile right now. Like if we had sex right now, I would for sure get pregnant. Yeah. And he probably would be like, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I, I wish it was realistic for me to just have so many babies. <laughs> like I would, I would just have, I'd be pregnant all the time and have babies all the time, but Aww. it's just, uh, not reality for many, 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 many reasons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, I think this feels like really complete conversation. Is there anything Mm. coming through to you on your heart or your mind that you feel like you really want people to know? I just want to say thank you for having me on. It was just so nice to chat with you. And, and, and kind of like we said, it was just so nice to chat with someone where we just kind of had this organic back and forth. I feel like if you and I were just going on a hike together we would have had this identical conversation without anything even recording because it's just what we would be talking about uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's our lives yeah it's what we live totally yes, yeah totally and so yeah just so so yeah thank you so much and I think one thing I would say is just everything we've talked about about this you know the fertile window and the fertile force and all that stuff just reminding women that having a baby is one way to channel your creative energy, but there's so many ways to channel your creative energy and that your fertility doesn't only exist just for having babies, but it really Mm. exists for you to birth forth whatever it is that you're meant to bring into this life. Mm. And so the importance of your cycle and your cyclical health is not, doesn't only just matter for having babies, but it's really about, you know, you being in alignment with your creative power and your gifts and your truth. Yeah. Oh, that is a super beautiful reminder. Also, thank you. Yes. Uh, so, where can people find you, Emily, if they want to work with you or check out your check out what you are offering? Yeah. So, everyone can find me just under that name, Muja Moon. We didn't get the meaning of the name, but Muja is the most oh. Arabic word for what? That's okay. We didn't need to. Not important. But just in case you were like, what? What am I looking up? M O U J A. So Muja is the Moroccan Arabic word for wave. And it was while I was living there that I went on this entire journey of reconnecting to my womb, et cetera. And so mujamoon.com, www.mujamoon.com, Instagram at mujamoon, Facebook at mujamoon. People connect with me on all those different platforms under that name. And I do teach fertility awareness charting one-on-one to people that want to learn in that personalized container. I also have a group program I run called Charting Shakti that fuses together the science and the sacred of womb work, womb reclamation with the science of fertility awareness acid that I offer a couple times a year. 
And I can usually be found also doing some other fun stuff like offering some yoga programs all around pelvic health and pelvic alignment and also offering the occasional one-off workshop like reconnecting to your wild women as an example. So folks can always just subscribe to my website. I've got a free menstrual meditation up there for anyone that subscribes um, to just see whatever it is that I'm up to and how the offerings are shifting and flowing. I love that. And it's so important to have that freedom in our lives to shift and ebb and flow as our creativity Mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay well thank you so much this was amazing mm-hmm. and i know women yeah, are going to sure. take a lot away from this conversation mm-hmm. and start chewing on some things <laughs> mm-hmm. my pleasure all right girl well you have yourself a great rest of your day I will. And we'll talk to you soon okay bye <laughs> bye thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for for your light in this world i feel like if you're somebody who's listening to these podcasts, you really care about about love and compassion and personal work and being a woman in this world and what it means and exploring all these stories and ways that we grow together. So I just want to give a big heartfelt thank you for for sharing that love and light in this world with me. And I'm so honored to be in that space with this space with you. And a big thank you to Shyla Ray Sunshine for letting me use her song, um, Into the Wild. And I have a great interview with her on episode 21, if you want to go check that out. And a big thank you to my Patreons who help fuel my fire to keep this little passion project of mine going. And a big thank you to all the people who support me physically um, so that I can get this little passion project completed. My husband, number one fan of mine always. He's kind of my, my biggest cheerleader, as well as various friends who really support me. And my family members and friends who babysit my kids while I can have this time to to record. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and remember, keep wildly loving yourselves. Till next time, bye.